So Money, episode 1207, Ashley Brichter, founder and CEO of Birth Smarter. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Pregnancy and childbirth is an entry point into almost every major issue that needs to be changed systemically, right? When you think about the anxieties that come up for someone that's pregnant, we can touch on race, we can touch on socioeconomic status, we can touch on climate change, and basic things like how we communicate with each other and care for each other as people. Welcome to So Money Everybody Wednesday, June 2nd, 2021. Update, I think the Apple podcast issue has been resolved. If you're subscribed here on Apple, or if you're listening to the podcast on Apple, it should be updated. We have now episode 1207. If you're not experiencing it, please send me a direct message or email me. You can direct message me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. My email is farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Today's episode is centered around birth and the experience shortly after birth, which is parenting. There is no rule book when it comes to parenting, especially in those early weeks and months. I remember when I was pregnant with my first, my son, a friend of mine who just had her baby maybe six months in said to me at my shower, Farnoosh, my only piece of parenting advice for you is that you got to keep the baby alive. That's your one job. Just keep the baby alive. And I kind of looked at her like, really, that's it? I mean, I I should hope that at the least I would be able to do that. And now, of course, I totally understand where she was coming from because those first few months, that first year, I mean, forever perhaps, but especially in those beginning months, it is so hard, right? You're trying to take care of a living, breathing human that you love more than anything. And at the same time, you're taking care of yourself or you want to take care of yourself, but people kind of have forgotten about you. It's all about the baby. On today's show, we're in conversation with Ashley Brichter, founder and CEO of Birth Smarter. It's a community and digital platform providing practical wisdom and guidance to the next generation of families. Ashley is an educator, a speaker, a health and wellness advocate with over a decade of experience as a doula, a birth educator, a solo entrepreneur, and a mother of of two. Birth Smarter provides one-on-one support, group classes, lectures, and distance learning for the perinatal population and the professionals who serve them. Ashley and I talk about some of the fractures in our healthcare system, issues only exacerbated by COVID, the inequities that black and brown mothers when they are pregnant, and how families of all economies can get affordable support before and after birth, and lots more. Here's Ashley Brichter. Ashley Brichter, welcome to So Money. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for everything that you do. Your work, your business, Birth Smarter, is I like to think that this is your passion, but truly at the end of the day, you are helping people, women in particular, and children thrive during what can be a very difficult and intimidating process and sometimes ill-supported process, which is 
the pregnancy. Let's start with Birth Smarter and what led you to starting this. It's a hub for classes and community for new moms and families. You're a former doula. You wanted to sort of scale your services and Birth Smarter was your creation. It's been a couple of years. What is it? What inspired it? And how's it going? Yeah. Birth Murder is amazing. It's going really well. It really is the culmination of of life's work and life's passion. I I always joke that when I was three, I started babysitting. Like as soon as I could tell that there was a baby younger than me, I knew I wanted to take care of them. And so I thought for all of my childhood and adolescence that being a school teacher was sort of the only career choice for me because it was how I could really help kids. And I had so many positive influential teachers in my life. And then actually, I graduated on the heels of the Great Recession and there were hiring freezes. So I couldn't get a job um, up and down the East Coast in a public school that I wanted to work in and uh, fell into doula work sort of accidentally. A family friend encouraged me to do a postpartum doula training and just said all of your nurturing and caretaking abilities would make you really good at this job. And it's been an incredible progression of postpartum work supporting uh, the breastfeeding relationship. And then eventually I found my way to a childbirth education program and I had studied education in college. I'm really passionate about curriculum and pedagogy and just thought, wait, I can teach this to people. Like I can teach labor. I can teach early parenthood. And then when I do that, if I set up a class of nine couples, instead of working one-on-one, I'm going to have a greater reach. And so after teaching classes for a few years, and we can get into how and why Birth Smarter is different than every other birth education company, um, but I had a lot of life experience that was like, oh, we're not doing a good enough job. Mm-hmm. I just thought we got to reach even more people. And so Birth Smarter is really the result of a long time and a great realization of the need for people to get incredibly high quality, incredibly informative, just like we have high standards for ourselves and our and our society in 2021, um, and that should be reflected in pregnancy and birth and parenting that's otherwise really outdated. When I first learned of what a doula is or who a doula is, this was over 10 years ago. A friend of mine was uh, going through her pregnancy and actually post-pregnancy, she hired a doula to come in and help her like sort of transition into being a mother and I think that you're right. Culturally, perhaps, too, our country does not respect moms as a person who is healing post post pregnancy. So there's obviously the pregnancy where a doula can be very helpful in sort of coaching you through that, right? But yeah. also post pregnancy too, we sort of like it's all about the baby <laughs> and we want moms to go back to work really fast or, you know, moms have to get back into quote unquote shape. There's all this pressure to sort of forget that you even just had a baby. And uh, I think that is specific to uh, at least, you know, I don't know about other countries, but I feel like it's something that is very high pressure here. Uh, But going back, I think what I loved hearing about your journey personally is that you started in one industry teaching uh, out of necessity, had to sort of re- calculate, uh, re-navigate yourself, knowing though ultimately that you did love to be in service of children, you were a helper, you were a problem solver, um, you were nurturing, and were redirected to this area called doula 
doula services. But tell us for those of us who aren't maybe even familiar with it, because I I feel like it is more of a, like, I don't know how modern it is, but it has become modernized, right? Yeah, definitely. So, so doula essentially, and there's some controversy around the word, but essentially it is somebody who's in service of somebody else. So if you think about, you know, olden times, whenever we want to put that, um, I think it dates back to ancient Greece, someone who was really there, um, like in servitude, right? And so if you can think of someone giving birth, historically, that person was always attended by other women, by other people in the village, in the community, aunts, sisters, grandmothers, midwives. Um, And so the thinking now is, well, we have really moved birth from homes, from communities into a hospital system and in the U.S. into a for-profit hospital system that is um, run by male doctors, right? And some of that is becoming undone, but that is the the system that we have. Um, And so doulas are meant to fill the gap. Doulas are non-medical, social, emotional, physical, informational support people that say, hey, we're here for you. We're going to rub your back. We're going to make you tea. We're going to hold space for all that is. And that can happen in pregnancy and labor. And then that can happen postpartum. And so the work I was able to do that I still love is showing up at somebody's house after they've had a baby for them, right? A baby nurse, which is more common these days, especially on the coast of the country, is really there to take care of the baby. But who's there for the parents? Who's there for you? So essentially, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job as doulas to say, hey, we're going to teach you how to parent. We're going to teach you how to manage your anxiety. We're going to teach you these pro tips. We're going to be this village that you don't have because... You know, it's sort of like, hey, here's keys to a car. You've never driven in a car before. You don't know how to manage this, but keep this child alive. And also, yeah, like you're right. And also go back to work and also lose weight and also have sex with your partner. And also don't go crazy. Good luck. It's such a luxury, though, Ashley, right? It shouldn't be. It should. I feel like it should just be something that our um, our government subsidizes, or at least culturally, we need to do a major shift so that we give women the space to heal and to invite the support system into their lives without having to go out and pay for it. Absolutely. Um, what What do you see in the industry where advice, right, for moms that don't have the financial ability to afford all of this extra? stuff, right? And we know that Black women, for example, are less likely to survive pregnancy. That's partly because of racism. A lot of it is racism. A lot of it is money. So tell us about what we can offer those moms that want to work with a doula, but they can't afford it. Yeah. So there's two parts of that, right? With the Black maternal health crisis, we know that Black women and Brown women are dying at astronomically higher rates than white women. And really the vast majority of it is systemic racism in healthcare. And it doesn't just affect pregnant and postpartum women. We can trace it to every part of of the healthcare system. And so really there was even before COVID, but now with the Black Lives Matter movement gaining in popularity and people really becoming aware of the issue, there are many more Black-led and BIPOC-led organizations that are saying this needs to end and really pulling in white-led organizations to demand change. Um, And so I think there are wonderful collaborations and collective efforts to put pressure on our healthcare system. 
one of the reasons that Birth Smarter exists and that I feel really passionately about this work is I think pregnancy and childbirth is an entry point into almost every major issue that needs to be changed systemically, right? When you think about the anxieties that come up for someone that's pregnant, we can touch on race, we can touch on socioeconomic status, we can touch on climate change, and basic things like how we communicate with each other and care for each other as people. So pregnancy and, and early parenthood is it's a wonderful window for anyone who is advocating for social change to pay attention to because it's it's ripe. <laughs> um, it's ripe for just more, more attention, more support, more funding. Um, there are a lot of really interesting founders here that are trying to make a difference and disrupt this industry. But so I think in terms of you, right, any listener, anybody who's like, I want to have a kid or I have a kid and I feel this lack of support, there are um, community organizations that are trying to make doula services more affordable. So that is an option, right? There might be free or low cost doulas in your area. There are some hospitals that are trying to bring in doulas on a volunteer basis where the hospital pays the doula and then that doula volunteers for anybody on call. Um, there are many, I would say the vast majority of doulas I work with offer sliding scale services. Um, and so sometimes we charge folks that can afford more, a little bit more and say, hey, you're contributing, you know, 10% of or 15% of what you're going to pay me is going to go to cover me providing a low cost fee to someone else. For a smarter, for example, um, we were the first company in the education space to offer pay what you can pricing for our classes. So our typical birth class is $295, and that's really expensive for somebody having a kid in the U.S. And so if they need to pay $50 to take the class, we have a no questions asked policy where we let that happen. And then we say to a family where $295 isn't a lot, hey, would you kick in more so you can add a tip at checkout, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of creativity happening um, my other perspective personally, like not as a business owner is I would like my company to not need to exist. And I don't know if I'll see a time in our society where we don't need education and support, but if anybody listening is like, Oh, I've always thought about becoming a doula, like do it, go do a doula training, right? Learn about how to support pregnant people. Learn about, <laughs> I became a postpartum doula sort of to support my friends. And then you can be the voice to know when your friend's mother-in-law is doing something wrong that you can go and offer support. We just need to relearn part of what brings people together in community and start doing that and don't charge each other for it. And I know you have a free YouTube channel where there's a lot of conversations happening there. Going back to your own personal decision to start Birth Smarter, you know, you came to this with obviously a lot of passion, experience. You were built for this in some ways. Um, but to be an entrepreneur is a whole other set of skills. So how did you bridge that gap? What were the hardest lessons learned or what was the most challenging thing in the beginning? I don't want to sound overly confident, but I don't feel like there were huge challenges in the beginning. I feel like the pandemic has kicked my butt a little bit. <laughs> um, but my parents are both um, started multiple businesses. And so I think that there is an entrepreneurial gene that I was given um, that is positive and negative. The negative of it really is like, it's been hard for me to work for other people because I want to do what I want to do. Um, but that's exciting because I get to have a vision and see it through. Um, and 
I, I had a lot of support in terms of, um, you know, we have a family friend who's a lawyer that started the LLC. So I was like really privileged to get informational support in terms of setting up a business. But also we're in such a great age where you can Google almost everything. And so it's really been slow. Um, we haven't raised any money. I just you know, taught classes and we made money and then we went to the next step. So at first it was one class in one location. Then we grew into another location in Brooklyn. Then with COVID, we moved our classes online and we started hiring a little bit more of a team and teachers. Um, and so a lot of it felt really organic. And um, I just feel like I was very lucky to have a great product and develop a great team. Um, and then with COVID, it's gotten a little bit more complicated because I think life has been unpredictable for people and finances have been unpredictable for people. And so there are, you know, there's a decline in birth rates and people are cautious with their spending and they have been. So we've seen in the last 12 months or so really big peaks and valleys in terms of revenue. Um, and so I would say the hardest thing for me recently as an entrepreneur has been being able to cope with the unpredictability of finances. Um, yeah. That's good to know that you had a smoother start, but of course, COVID of course upended so many businesses and it was uh, real hard for all businesses to navigate. I'm curious to learn from your perspective, Ashley, like what did you learn about the our healthcare system? Were there Things that you saw happen that were revealing of maybe fractures in that system? Because, you know, COVID really did unearth a lot of the bad stuff. Like a lot of the bad stuff came to the surface, uh, whether you're talking about healthcare system, mothers not being supported at work, racism. On the other side of things, I think that we learned a lot about how we can be really resilient too. So companies that didn't have work from home policies, suddenly everybody's working from home and now they're like, you know what, we should rethink this um, and make our employees happier and maybe this will be a long-term shift. And so from your perch, like because you work with so intimately with families and also medical professionals in this very delicate process and experience of birth. What did you learn? What did the pandemic bring to the forefront in a big way? And also, were there any positive outcomes? Were there any silver linings to what we learned and experienced in the pandemic and how it's informing, you know, your your business at least going forward? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that COVID exposed, and there are a lot of us that already knew this to be true about birth in the United States, because the vast majority of people choose to give birth in hospitals, and the vast majority of hospitals here are for-profit hospitals, um, is that the people who are in charge of creating the systems have no experience with giving birth. And they are not setting up prenatal care. They are not setting up labor and delivery units to support or promote patients. Um, and our system in general is just not set up to, um, to have the best outcomes in terms of holistic well-being for a family's foundation in the beginning of life, right? Our, our metrics that we really hold up as the highest priorities are that parents stay alive, babies stay alive, and the hospital makes money. That's not a society that I want to live in, and that's not a society that I think most of us want to live in, 
we really are moving to a place where we care about holistic well-being, mental, physical, emotional health, where we understand the importance of family bonding, where we understand that partners need to be in the room, right? That you might need a mom or a sister or a doula in the room and that we can't have this, this profit over people mentality, especially when we're talking about birth and then infant feeding and someone recovering. I remember during the pandemic, there was a big scare. A lot of women were concerned they were going to have to go into the hospital in labor and their partners would not be able to accompany them. That happened for many moms. And my heart went out to all of those families. And that's just like a really frightening thought. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand birth. And this is why birth smarter exists, right? This is the core of what we do is you can say, oh, well, there's a baby in your body and the baby's going to get out and it doesn't actually matter. Like medicine can do it, right? A cesarean is just as good and all of these blanket statements. But the reality of just how the human body works and, and human physiology is that it's really very simple and straightforward. So you have an organ in your body called the uterus that has to contract. You have the cervix as the bottom of the uterus that has to get soft. And you have a baby that's one object that has to move through a pelvis that's another object. And so really what we're talking about is the the hormones of birth is all run because of something called oxytocin, which is our love, trust, bonding hormone. If somebody is feeling scared, if they have cortisol and adrenaline spiking, they can't have contractions. They're not going to be able to give birth to that baby vaginally. And if somebody is stuck in one position, their baby is not going to be able to rotate through the pelvis, right? This is basic physics, basic geometry. You've got something stuck in a cookie jar. You have to shake it to get it free. So ultimately, birth is a process of feeling safe and relaxed and like you trust your environment and that you need freedom of movement. And if we could set up a system that allowed for those two things to happen, we can still utilize medicine, we can utilize epidurals, we can utilize induction, but we can give people more choice, then we then we see better outcomes. This is so important to share. I mean, I often think about what would the world be like if men were the ones who got pregnant? Because you did kind of allude to this, that a lot of the people that are that are in charge of controlling and creating that experience in the hospital care system are not parents or not their men or they haven't gone through the birth experience. Have you ever thought about that? We live in a patriarchy. So what you've just described yeah. as, you know, something that is important may not maybe falling on some deaf ears because yeah. there's no empathy there. We talk about it all the time because I I say honestly, I think I'm better at teaching male partners than I am even like the pregnant person. That's just my particular niche. And so that's one of the things we do when we start all of our classes is hey, can you define these terms? What does pathology mean? What does physiology mean, right? Physiology is something's working in your body, breathing, digesting, all good. Pathology is when something is wrong. So asthma or irritable bowels. Well, the issue is giving, getting pregnant, giving birth, breastfeeding a baby, should you choose to, those are physiological occurrences in the female body, right? And so then I can look at all these men in our classes and say, hey, if you got pregnant, you know, what do you think? Like, that would be pathological. Something would be wrong. So that's your mindset. Your mindset going into set up systems around giving birth, our mindset in medical schools as obstetricians 
learn how to do this is let's watch for pathology. Let's see when something is wrong. We don't have a system that is designed around, hey, we trust the body, we trust giving birth. And then just in case something goes wrong, we've got this really awesome medical system set up here, just in case. It's it's the other way around. And it's increasing bad outcomes for parents and babies because we're finding scares that we don't need to. I always say, you know, make the financial case for something and suddenly people will listen or you yeah. get more men on board and then you suddenly you've got a movement, needles moving. Um, so what you're doing is so important is educating the, the dads or the men in the room. But um, what is the financial argument for this? Yeah, so um, I did the numbers on it recently and all right, we have in the US, we have around a 30% cesarean rate nationally. The World Health Organization can't say for sure, but the latest recommendation was we think 10 to 15% cesareans would be medically justifiable. Cesareans on average cost much more than vaginal births, and so it comes out to about $2 billion a year that for-profit insurance companies, hospital companies, all of these are, this is a $2 billion industry for unnecessary cesareans. So when we're talking about, hey, we want people to have freedom of choice to not get pressured into a cesarean, right? Or have even, there are so many layers, it's not just vaginal and cesarean, but just using that as an example, we're, we're trying to disrupt a $2 billion industry with a really big lobby and really powerful people. And so like the financial incentives for not changing our system are huge. And it feels scary to go up against that. Right. So what can we say counter to that, right? So short term, it's a $2 billion gain. Right. But long term, the trauma, all of that, right? What there is, there has to be a financial cost to that or the your body, right, has to go through so much more um, of a recovery after that. There has to be a total sum at the end, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, that's actually a net negative for everybody. Have you gone that far to look at it that way? No, I love the idea. The, to the extent that we've gone is, and this is what I was saying earlier about the opportunity to see like every major issue, right? What we're talking about when we're talking about reforming prenatal and postpartum care, it, it touches um, mental health, it touches divorce rate, it touches adverse childhood experiences. So getting into addiction and community violence, um, it touches, yeah, body dysmorphia, right? And, and weight gain and there's almost no area that the way we give birth, the way we start parenting, the way we set up our families doesn't touch. And almost all of the negative issues that we're all facing in our individual lives, I mean, it's a joke in therapy, right? Like it's all your mom's fault all the time. All the so time. What if we what if we went in and supported moms? What else Ashley needs to happen in order for your initiatives to follow through. Like you have all yeah. these great goals for women and families, but it almost suggests that there has to be like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So on the one hand, you've got your initiatives, your, you know, Birth Smarter, which is all about helping women and babies and families. But it also suggests that we have to sort of put people before profits, right? And we live in a capitalist country. Totally. And so what other cultural shifts, paradigm shifts, need to happen in order for what you're working on to be supported too. It's because, you know, you mentioned it and they're like, you don't work in a bubble. Like you, you have to, you know, depend on a lot of other things working so that you can move the needle for what you want to achieve. Yeah. So 
like we have to, I'm thinking like we have to break down the patriarchy. We have totally. to like, you know, <laughs> totally. uh, yeah, we need, remove I mean, some of these hospitals right. that are, you know, too profit focused. Yeah, we need to, we need universal health insurance. We need it to be that you don't have to buy into the system to get certain kinds of care. We need paid parental leave for more than six weeks so that families have the time to bond and that it's not just on moms, that partners are involved. We need to figure out urgently how to curb racism in healthcare. And then I think the cultural shift in terms of us as consumers is just, it's time to take health into your own hands until those things happen. And so I always say just as a business owner, my biggest competitor isn't other birth education companies. My biggest competitor is the idea that you don't need to take a birth class. But because most people are like, no, it's fine. I trust my doctor. And that era needs to end. Like, stop trusting your doctor. Do the research on your own. Learn from people that have come before you. Get a few different sources and see what feels right to you. And then start putting pressure back on the system as a healthcare consumer. Right. I, I go back to thinking about when my second daughter was born, my second child was born, my daughter, she wouldn't sleep. You know, like a lot of babies, they're nocturnal. They sleep all day and they're awake at night. And um, she was a bit colicky. And so she would skip her feedings or she would drink her milk, but then it would, she'd be up all night, like gas, a whole shebang. And I was out. I mean, I was like sleepwalking. I was, you can tell when you are running on little sleep, like just how irrational you become, how quickly irritable you become. And I was like, I am not a good, healthy person to be around. And plus I have to have this child with me at all times. And so I remember holding her and being like, okay, this is New York City. There are a lot of rich people in in New York City. There have to be people who throw money at problems like these. Like, totally. <laughs> and I went online. First, I looked up like sleep doctors or sleep, you know, sleep. then I found the overnight sleep nurse. And if I tell you how much it cost, I literally, it was the biggest expense of my life, yeah. you know, about besides like, you know, my mortgage. Uh, <laughs> but like, I remember for six weeks, I would take cash out of my bank account. Like I was laundering money or something yeah. and I put in a big thick envelope and give it to this amazing woman who would come and sleep in our house for eight to 10 hours a night and and ultimately get my daughter on a sleep schedule. And I kept counting my blessings going, I'm so glad I saved my money who you never know, right? People email me all the time. They're like, I have all, you know, I have a little bit of savings. I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, keep it because you never know when you need to throw money at a problem. And my problem was not being able to sleep and also my daughter not getting supported. I didn't know what to do in, yeah. uh, in my coma, in my like sleepwalking, how to also help her train and sleep well. And it was the sort of thing that I am so privileged to have been able to do that. And I think of all the other mothers and fathers who cannot afford that. I mean, she was worth every penny, but also it's like, come on, yeah. right? You're not really leaving much option for ev for most of the population. And so I joke that I'm like going to have to retire a couple of years later because uh, <laughs> she delayed my retirement plan because I had to take out so much money to pay for it. But this is what I'm talking about. And you know this very well, like this is not cheap support. This right. is very expensive. It's not cheap support when it's one-on-one. -on -one. And that's right. where I think that that my company and the fact that we really are rooted in information and education is so different. Um, you know, a lot of companies in this space are product companies and their free giveaway is education. 
And I just think you should be really wary of trusting free stuff, right? So they're trying, that's their lead magnet. They're trying to get you to buy a product. For us, our product is this information that we've worked incredibly hard to curate to make sure it's really balanced. And so what I want to do is I want to go back in time and I want to sit with you and say like, what is your daughter eating? And why does her belly hurt like that? And how do we fix that problem? Mm -hmm. Right? And how do we think about that? Is it a sensitivity to something in breast milk or something in formula? What it what what can we do to support your bond to help her feel better? And then, hey, can I hold her while you go to sleep? So you can make this decision tomorrow. So you're like a little bit more rested. And so how do we give you the time you need to tell us what's going on? How do we give you the information you need to try on? What we talk about is parenting is there's no success and failures, right? Parenting is a series of experiments. Let's try something this week. Let's see what happens with this baby. And then let's learn from it and try the next thing next week. So it's never, it doesn't have to be cut and dry, right? And so how do we give you enough information and support so you can take a breath, so you cannot panic, so you can say, all right, here's what I think we need to do. And I'm really just so passionate about people thinking more creatively and thinking out of the blocks and living like a much more flexible life than a, we got to get the baby to sleep through the night, or I got to switch to formula, or this is the only answer. Because we live in a world where everyone is looking for a magic bullet and we don't have one when it comes to parenting. And to have that support, someone else to give you permission to take your time to figure it out is invaluable. You're a mom yourself. We haven't even discussed this uh, up to this point, but tell us about maybe one of the things that you learned. I'm sure you came into this already so equipped, Um, like unlike a lot of moms, you had a little bit of a head start in terms of anticipating what you might need. But even still, I think maybe you had your own discoveries, you yeah. know, or revelations, tell, share at least totally. one with us. My, my kids now are four and seven and I'm, I'm in the process of selling my stroller, which is heartbreaking because somehow I've made it to like no more. Oh yeah. Days. Um, but I think for me, I did, I knew a lot going in. I had an early ed background. I had a lot of baby experience. And my daughter is one of the coolest people on the planet. And for the first two years, I was like, oh, my God, I got it. Like, I'm going to write a book. And then I had my son and I was like, oh, no, (laughs) I just it's really it's about your kid. And, uh, you know, we just posted on Instagram today. Like I was a really good parent until I had kids. So I think for me, it's been about totally dropping the judgment. There is no right way for any parent. There is no right way for every family. And just like, unless you've walked in that person's shoes, like don't, don't say shit about them. You don't know what they're going through and why they made that choice. And everyone is doing the best they can with the information they have at the time. Ashley, I'm going to end on that because that is that is we can't top that advice. That is the most important thing you'll hear all day, listeners, is <laughs> if you haven't walked the walk, zip it. Uh, don't give it. And even if you have, like, we don't want your advice. We just want your support. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley Richter, thank you so much. Everyone check out birthsmarter.com. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much to Ashley for joining us. Check out birthsmarter.com for their award-winning game-changing classes for pregnant people.
Send me your questions for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh coming up. You can direct message me on Instagram. You can send me a message on the website. If you go to somoneypodcast.com and click on the green button, Ask Farnoosh, you can do so there or email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money. 